This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Good evening, everybody. Praise the Lord. God is good. Amen. It's good to see you on a rainy Sunday evening. Welcome to all of those of you that have joined us online. I pray that the word is going to really bless you tonight. You can remain seated as I just open up in prayer this evening. Father, we come before you in the precious and wonderful name of Jesus. We know that there is no time nor distance in prayer, that your presence that is permeating the atmosphere right now in this auditorium is in the homes of each and every person that has tuned in live on Facebook or on YouTube in Jesus' name. I pray tonight that the same anointing, the same delivering anointing be present in those homes to deliver people, to change them, to transform them in Jesus' wonderful name. I make it known that I do not depend upon limited human strength and ability to teach your word tonight, but I do depend upon you, Holy Spirit. You are the author of the Bible and the one most qualified to teach. Teach through me tonight. Bless your people in Jesus' wonderful name, I pray. And all those who agreed said, amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, it's good to be with you. Christian Family Church is on the move. We're about to go into December, the month of generosity. And if you missed this morning's message, I would encourage you to go and view it online and just catch the wave with all of us this morning. How many of you were in service this morning? Can I see your hands? And you back again? Well, praise the Lord. Good to have you. Well, tonight my message is entitled... Let my people go. Let my people go. And it is a declaration of faith tonight. And I believe that the Lord is going to do something significant in every single one of your lives. There is a very popular portion of scripture that has been taught over the decades of Christian Family Church's existence. It's one of Pastor Theon Bev's favorite portions of scripture when it comes to deliverance and instant change in people's lives. And the story is found in Chronicles 2 Chronicles chapter 20, and it's the story of Jehoshaphat. And tonight, I'm gonna build my message around that, and we're gonna visit that portion of scripture a little bit later, not extracts or verses. I really wanna spend some time and let the word minister to you. But essentially, this is what happens. We have three huge enemies coming against a man who intents and purposes look to be hopelessly defeated. He was in an impossible Situation. We find out that three nations come against Jehoshaphat, and those three nations are Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. What I did in preparation for this teaching, though, because I believe that names are significant in Scripture, and they mean something, I went and took a look at the entomology of these Hebrew words to find out if I could attach and bring context to these enemies in a modern-day environment. And lo and behold, you won't, I think you're going to be blessed when you find out, well, blessed, but you're going to be able to see more clearly that these are living enemies that we have to deal with every single day. So we found out the, these three enemies. There is Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. Now, Ammonites simply means family, from the father. That's what it means. The Hebrew word means from the family. So tonight, the enemy that you might be facing is contention within your own family unit. I really want to bring this war that Jehoshaphat had to face and had to win by the strength of God, I want to bring it into a modern day context to, in order to help you and to give voice to your praise tonight so that you can see the Lord will deliver you just like he delivered this king. The second group of enemies that came against them were the Moabites. And this is kind of strange because what this means is kingsmen or a people, in Hebrew it means homies. 
So Ammonites speak against, sometimes we experience enemies within our own family. It's personal, it hurts. That Moabites means kinsmen, or it means homies, or it means friends. Maybe you're having an issue in friendship. And then the third one, which is Mount Seir, means goat or demon. Means goat or demon. So here you have Jehoshaphat in the Old Testament coming against every possible sphere of enemy that he would have to try and combat. And I want you to imagine what the hopelessness must have been like. It was almost like metaphorically speaking. His family was coming against him. His friends were coming against him. And every demon in hell was coming against him. I don't know where you find yourself. I don't know where you find yourself if you're experiencing all three of those enemies. For those of you watching online. But chances are you've got someone harassing you. Well, tonight we're going to declare in the spirit realm it's time to let God's people go. And the amazing thing is, if you read the story, the amazing thing is, is that Jehoshaphat gets instruction from God to apply something so simple, yet so profound, that brings about almost instant deliverance from him, but not only deliverance and reward. So tonight, I want to spend some time looking at the theology of why God asked Jehoshaphat to do what he asked him to do in order to see him freed so that tonight, as I wrap up my message, we're gonna do exactly the same thing, and because we do the same thing, we're gonna expect exactly the same result. Now, you might be sitting here tonight and say, Pastor Andre, really right now, I'm in a season where I've got no enemies. Well, praise the Lord, then you can battle someone else's enemy on their behalf. Can you, can you seek deliverance and praise God for the benefit of someone that's around you? Can we do that tonight? Amen, praise the Lord. Okay, so. Let's take a look at the first scripture that's found in Psalm 100, verse four and five. Let me say this before I read the scripture, folks, that thanksgiving will always be and has always been a requirement to enter into the presence of the Lord. Last week, Pastor Greg spoke about the importance of gratitude, but a thankful heart is absolutely essential if you are to enter into the presence of God Greedy, ungrateful, miserable people don't get into God's presence. Unfortunately, it's just one of those things. Why? Because a greedy, selfish, or miserable person trying to get into the presence of the Lord is essentially saying, my problems are bigger than you. You can't fix what I've got. And so here in Psalm 100 verses four and five, it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving, Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name, for the Lord is good, the Bible says. His unfailing love continues forever, and his faithfulness continues to each generation. Now, there are three important things that I'm going to be getting to in a moment that I want you to notice about this verse. But firstly, let me say that according to the psalm, there are two stages in entering into the presence of the Lord. We've talked about this throughout the years, and I know that many of you are aware of this, but sometimes we neglect it in practice. The Bible says we enter his gates with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is everything to do with what God has done for us. We are thankful for what he's done. But his courts with praise means that it's got nothing to do with what God's done, but who he is. So there is a deeper level of praise that you have to go into. And unfortunately, people who only see God doing stuff for, him, for them and thanking him for it 
without ever going deeper than that, who in themselves disregard their circumstances and says, it doesn't matter what I'm going through. I'm gonna praise him not for what he's done, but for who he is. In actual fact, if he never does another thing for me for the rest of my life, I still believe with all of my heart that he deserves all the praise, all the glory, all the honor. And that is a higher form of praise to the Lord. But here the psalmist gives us three very specific reasons why we are to thank God. Number one, for the Lord is good. First and foremost, the Lord is good. Secondly, his loving kindness is everlasting. You know, I can't tell you how many times in my life where I have not obeyed God, willfully disobeyed him, or done something that displeases him and attempted to come into his presence while feeling guilty and feeling sorry for what I've done. And the Lord just embracing me and loving me and telling me, listen, never let your problems keep you from coming to me. I will always be here for you. I will always love you. I will never condemn you. I will always strengthen you. You are mine and I am well pleased in you. I'm so glad that God is eternally loving and that his kindness is everlasting. Think about it. God is kind all the time. All the time. Have you ever met a really kind person in your life? The kind of impact that that person makes when you walk into their company expecting to get into trouble and all they do is just shower kindness on you. Completely overlook what you've done wrong. Completely overlook your flaw. Don't you just wanna do better the next time? Don't you just wanna live to a higher standard? God is like that all the time. And these are, that's the second reason why we are to give God praise. And thirdly, his faithfulness extends to all generations. There's something unique that I'd like you to notice about these three things, that all three of them are permanent and unchanging. All three of these reasons are permanent, the Lord is always good, his loving kindness is everlasting, and his faithfulness to all generations, it is permanent. You see, folks, the primary reason for giving God praise and thanksgiving should never depend on our circumstances or on our feelings. Why? Because these change. This is why the psalmist says, let me give you reasons to praise him. Because if you're always gonna look at how you are treated before you worship and adore the Lord, you may never ever get to worship or praise him. We're gonna take a look at an example in Numbers in a few moments time where the Israelites became dissatisfied with the manner that they got in the wilderness. They were disgruntled and they were angry. What happens? The Bible says God sent snakes among them and the snakes began to bite them. Why? Because ungrateful people are always opening themselves up to demons. Ungrateful people, dissatisfied people, and these snakes began to bite them and these people began to die. They came to Moses and they said, we've done something wrong. You've got to help us. You've got to pray for us. So what does God do? God Moses prays and God says to Moses, he doesn't take the snakes away. <laughs> I would have thought, Lord, just get rid of these oaks, you know? But the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says to Moses, he's to put a bronze snake on a cross, up on a, on a stick. And, and if, while the snakes are there in that presence, if they just keep their eyes on Jesus, that even when the snakes bite them, they will be healed. 
Doesn't that paint an amazing picture of God's mercy in the midst of the most adverse circumstances? If we just keep our eyes on Jesus, they had to look up. While they were looking at the snakes, while they were looking at the problems, which were a result of their own dissatisfaction in God and what God had provided, the Lord said, listen, there's always gonna be a reason not to praise me. But if you look to the cross, there is always, these three things are unchanging. Now, what am I teaching you tonight? I'm teaching you what Jehoshaphat carried deep within him that got God to move so mightily on his behalf that God completely destroyed those three different types of enemies that had come against him. We're dealing with the theology, if you will, of praise. And why does it move God so? Why does it move him the way it does? You see, if you're going to praise God according to Scripture, we're going to have to turn away from all those things that burden us, that discourage us, that throw us off kilter. We're gonna have to turn our conversation away from COVID. We're gonna have to turn our minds away from the implications of a worldwide recession. We're gonna have to turn our minds and our tongues and our bodies and our lives completely away from that. We're gonna have to turn away from everything that irritates us and focus on these three unchanging reasons to worship and praise God. Nothing declares to the Lord that I am immovable in eternity regardless of what I face. I am immovable as long as I praise you for these three things. Lord, you are good. Your loving kindness is everlasting and your faithfulness is to all generations, including my own. Guess what? It's gonna be okay. God's gonna get you through. You've been through worse things and you wondered where the Lord would deliver you. And guess what? Here you sit today, but are your problems over? Nah, there's still a few snakes hovering around. You know, sometimes God will calm the storm, but most often than not, God will calm you in the storm. God will calm you. Is anybody, are you guys there? I know that the guys online are cheering in their lounges and getting excited. You guys seem a bit melancholy. But anyway, things are gonna hot up in a moment. You see, God paid a high price in order for our circumstances to pale in significance to the cross. He paid too high a price. If we're ever gonna experience the miraculous healing and the delivering power of God, we're gonna have to focus on the cross more than our circumstances. And that's exactly what he got the Israelites to do in Numbers 21 from verses four through nine. Four through nine. There's the scripture. There's the scripture references for you. Those snakes remained among them, but all they had to do in the midst of that was keep their eyes on the cross, and that's what praise is. Praise is simply doing this. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Why did God want the Israelites to lift their eyes up? Because that's where he resides. They wanted them, he wanted them to get their eyes off the speed bumps that will always be there. That's not a negative confession. If you think that tonight is the last problem you're ever gonna have, I'm sorry to tell you, guess what? There's another snake just around the corner. But the cross is not going anywhere. The cross is not going anywhere. 
So God would not expect from us that, that which we cannot give. And every single person in the auditorium and online tonight, tonight I'm gonna ask you to take your eyes off your family, off your friends, and off the demons that are harassing you. And I just want us for a moment at the end of this message to lift our eyes a little bit and do what Jehoshaphat did in order to experience the deliverance and the power that Jehoshaphat experienced. So let's take a look at this word praise. I wanna give you four pointers on the word praise and why it's so significant and why it brings about deliverance every single time. Every single time. In Acts chapter 16, when Paul was tied up with his feet in stocks, guess what? The Bible says at midnight in an impossible situation, what did he do? He began to praise God and praise produced deliverance. It produced salvations of the Roman centurion and his household. All these amazing things happened as a result of praise. So what is it about this act that moves God so? Well, number one is because praise is eternal. It is the unceasing activity of the glorious creatures who have made the most direct, who have the most direct access to God. Think about it. They've been praising God since before you were created. They would be praising God when this world has ended. Praise is eternal. The moment you begin to praise God, watch me, look at this. You are stepping into eternity. You are stepping into eternal success. You are stepping into eternal presence of God the moment you begin to praise. The moment you begin to lift your voice towards the Lord and not thank him for what he's done, but for who he is, you sidestep this world with its circumstances and you move straight into the presence of God every single time. You'd think we'd remember this stuff. <laughs> and I'm speaking for myself. I mean, sometimes those three ugly guys, the musketeers, Moab, Ammon, and Mount Seir, they'll show their faces and I'll try to do everything else but praise because I don't feel like it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Tonight, we're gonna get our praise on. Is that okay? Tonight, we're gonna get our praise on. The second thing about praise is that for us on earth, praise is the only way to access the presence of God and the dwelling place of the Lord. It's the only way. God says, you wanna come into my courts, you're gonna come in with praise. You've gotta to get to that place in your spiritual life where it doesn't matter what's happening around you, all that matters is what's happening within you. That's the only thing you cherish. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, folks. The presence of God on the inside of us and it is the cry of the heart of every believer regardless of their circumstances is to lift his name up and to praise him and to glorify him for who he is. Tonight, are we gonna step into eternity for a moment? An eternal place of deliverance, an eternal place just like the cherubim, just like the seraphim, who glorify God all the time. Thirdly, that praise is the appropriate way for us to relate to God as a king upon his throne. He is a king and he has a throne. You don't walk into a king who sits on his throne and say, hey bro, what's up? There is heavenly protocol. What happens in heaven happens here on earth. What moves heaven moves earth. And so in Isaiah 61, prophesying about Jesus, this is what it says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me 
because he has anointed me to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. Look at this, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Praise is a gift. In actual fact, the Bible says when you begin to praise, it's almost like you're putting on a garment. You're putting on a garment. You are getting dressed and ready to meet the king. That's what praise does. That's why we praise even before we have a church service. Why? You walk in there with the world, the stuff that's happened to you in the week. Maybe you've got a ripped shirt. Maybe you've got a, maybe your, your, your feet are dirty from the world. You've just had a rough week. Guess what? You walk in here, you begin to praise God. I want you in future to see all of a sudden that Jesus says, I'm putting on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I'm dressing you. I'm getting ready for God for you to meet the Lord. He's about to come through for you. He's about to do something significant. This is heaven's protocol. No wonder they praise God in heaven all the time because they can't afford to be undressed because they're in the presence of the king. Tonight, we're gonna be putting on that cloak. Thank you, Jesus. Why would God liken praise to a garment? Why would he do that? Well, because praise is the royal garment that makes us fit for his presence. Praise makes us fit for his presence. Pastor Theo said this so many times before that praising God in the midst of our circumstances is the highest form of faith. So let me put it to you this way. When we praise, we're appearing before God clothed in faith. That's what praise is. It's like putting on faith. It's like saying, Lord, you know what? I'm gonna praise you in advance for everything you're going to do for me. And even if you stall and even if you delay, it doesn't matter because through faith and patience, we inherit the promises of God. I'm letting you know here I am. It doesn't matter what's happening around. It really only matters what's happening inside and you are here. Psalm 147 verse one says, I praise the Lord for it is good to sing praises to our God. I mean, have you ever sang three or four praises and remained miserable throughout? You just can't. Events your spirit trumps your flesh. Events your spirit shuts your mind down and you begin to forget about everything else. And <laughs> there's one translation that says, praise is becoming to the upright. It just looks, praise looks good on you, Alvin Slaughter used to say. He sang a song about it. He says, man, you may not think you look great, but the moment you begin to praise, praise just looks good on you. He says, praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for he's gracious and lovely. Praise is becoming for and appropriate for the upright. You see, praise is a garment. It must have the potential. If praise is a garment, it must have the potential to hide that which is shameful and unsightly, unspoken doubts and fears. When we put praise on, regardless of what the storm that's raging in our mind, it's almost like we get dressed and it hides all the stuff that's going on. Praise is becoming to the upright. And number four, praise is the purpose for which God blesses us. His blessings are designed to call forth praises from us. In 1 Peter 2 and verse 9, this is what it says. But you are a chosen generation. You were chosen to praise him. God didn't choose everyone, but he chose you. He chose you. You were selected by God to praise him. 
but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Why? That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Look at the next verse, Psalm 22, verses three and five. But you are holy. The Bible says God is holy. He is enthroned or, in, or he inhabits the praises of his people. You see, what is praise? Praise is vocalizing your trust in God. Not your concern about your circumstances. Praise is vocalizing your trust in the Lord. And I have it on good authority as I've studied. Biblical scholars will tell you that for 33 years before Jesus came, that there was a season where there, were, where there was 24 hours around the clock praise, thanksgiving, and worship. Because if God inhabits the praises of his people and there was a period of 33 years of unbroken praise, Jesus would not have, had, would not have been able to come. That's what biblical scholars tell us. He literally inhabits the praises of his people. And just like in the Old Testament, whoever those people were that decided, listen, for 33 years without a break, we are gonna take shifts and we're gonna praise God and Jesus rocks up into this world. Let me tell you, the same thing happens when you begin to praise. The Lord enters into that place, which is what he did for Jehoshaphat, but he doesn't just enter to deliver. He enters to bless. He's about to turn your circumstances, listen to me, God is about to turn your circumstances around 180 degrees, 180 degrees. God is about to turn your circumstances around. I don't know where you find yourself, but I wanna release that prophetic word into the atmosphere. And like I said earlier, and it may not be for everyone, but if it's for you, you say, Lord, I'm taking it. I'm taking it. I'm gonna get my eyes off these stupid little snakes that are around me, pecking at me. I'm gonna lift my eyes to the cross and I'm gonna praise you, expecting that you're gonna do something mighty and show yourself strong on my behalf. Psalm 50, verse 23 says this, whoever offereth praise glorifieth me and to him that, or that ordereth his conversation aright, I will show the salvation of my God. Now the word there for salvation is yesha, which means deliverance and prosperity. That's what it means. Whosoever offereth praise, whosoever means? Will you be one of the whosoever's tonight? In a few moments time, will you be one of the whosoever's? Whosoever offereth praise to me, or glorifieth, and to him that ordereth his conversation aright, I will, God will. Say this, tonight the Lord will show me his salvation. You see, praise opens the way for God to show himself strong on your behalf. Praise reveals a way of salvation. <laughs> this is so important, listen to this. Praise either creates or reveals a way of salvation from your circumstances that was not there before you began to praise. Before you began to praise, there was no way out. The most significant verse for me in, two, in the two Chronicles chapter 20 story is around verse 21, and it says this, at the very moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Moab 
Ammon and Mount Seir to start fighting against themselves. Your enemies begin to implode. The moment that first utterance comes off your lips, God says he will show you his salvation. That's what the Lord says. And the moment you begin to praise, one of two things are gonna happen. If their way out did not exist, God will create it for you. I can't remember the verse that Pastor Johnny quotes, but God gave him revelation on that, and I won't ask him for it now. He'll give it to you maybe next week. But this is, this, this is the situation. If it, is, if it does not exist, God will create it for you. Through praise. That's the first thing that may happen. The second thing that may happen is that the, the pathway's always been there, like the children with the Red Sea. It's always been there. It just took a bit of praise for that thing to open up. Guess what, tonight, something's gonna open up. Can I get a witness? In my closing minutes, in my closing minutes, I wanna read this account to you, and then we're gonna begin to praise the Lord and trust the Lord for something together tonight. It says, after this, the armies of Moab, Ammon, and Mount Seir declared war on Jehoshaphat. Messages came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army from Edom is marching against you. From beyond the Dead Sea, they're already in Hazazon Tamar which means that they were right on the doorstep. Jehoshaphat was terrified by the news and begged the Lord for guidance. He ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord and prayed, O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are God who is in heaven. Notice his worship and his praise towards the Lord. You alone are God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. Notice he doesn't bring his problem first. He just wants to praise God for who God is and who God always will be. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. Oh God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. They said, whenever we are faced with any calamity, whenever we are faced with any calamity such as war, plague, or famine, we can come to stand in your presence, before this temple where your name is honored, we can cry out to you to save us and you will hear us and you will rescue us. And now, see what the armies of Moab, Ammon, and Mount Seir are doing. You would not let our ancestors invade those nations when Israel left Egypt. This was a surprise attack. Israel and God had been good to these nations who all of a sudden became their enemy. That can happen with family and friends sometimes. So they went around them and did not destroy them. Now see how they reward us. For they have come to throw us out of your land, which you gave us as an inheritance. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. We are looking to you for help as all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives, and children. The Spirit of the Lord came on one of the men standing there. His name was Jehaziel, 
son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jeriel, son of Mataniah, a Levite who was a descendant of Asaph. And he said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen, King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged by this mighty army for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeril. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah. He is with you, family, Christian family church members, wherever you may find yourself. He is with you. Tomorrow, march out against them. Take your position, stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Then Jehoshaphat bowed low with his faith to the, face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites from the clans of Korah um, stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel. With a very loud shout early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, listen to me, listen, 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 Linda, 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 listen. Listen to me. All you people of Judah and Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God, and he will be able, and we will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. After consulting the people, the king appointed the singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. He sang the psalm. At the very moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting amongst themselves. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed them. After they destroyed the army of Mount Seir, they began attacking each other. So the army, when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground. As far as they could see, not a single one of their enemies escaped. Not a single one. King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather the plunder, the Bible says, so they were delivered of their enemies. They found vast amounts of equipment, clothing, and valuables, more than they could carry. There was so much plunder that it took them three days just to collect it all. On the fourth day, they gathered up, they gathered them, sorry, they gathered in the Valley of Blessing. It's amazing that the Valley of Defeat became the valley of blessing the moment they began to praise God. They marched into a wilderness where defeat was guaranteed and God turned it around and they named it the valley of blessing, which got its name that day because the people praised and thanked the Lord. There is still called, and it is still called the valley. Won't you stand to your feet tonight where you find yourselves in your home? Come on, let's get together and let's just begin to praise and worship and shout out to the Lord and trust God to do for us. Trust God to do for us what he did for Jehoshaphat and what he did for Israel during this time. Let's praise the Lord together. Are we ready to go, guys? Come on, lift your hands towards the Lord and let's begin to praise God. 
Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Fulmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. 